Hey everyone, this is Dr. Tim Cummings. And this is Dr. Jess Cummings. And this is the Healthy Kansas City Podcast. Hey Kansas City. This week we are interviewing Brooke Size, who is a functional medicine nutrition practitioner. She founded the website Wired and Tired Women, which is wiredandtiredwomen.com. So check it out because her stuff is phenomenal. And I just feel like that statement right there, Wired and Tired Women, is just about everybody I know, including myself. So um, I think this interview is really going to speak to a lot of you ladies, a lot of you moms, um, men, important for you to give us a listen to as well. But um, yeah, it's, it's great info. We, we dive into a lot of Brooke's history, just um, personally, as far as why she got into nutrition, why it mattered to her, you know, her personal health story and mm-hmm. her personal health journey and kind of where that's led her to today, which I feel like it's a lot of us. We've started our businesses based on our personal history, which has brought us, you know, on some journey or another, you know, to where we're at today. And it's just really cool to hear all of those stories from other people. Absolutely. I think the the cool thing is talking with Brooke and getting to talk to you, JC. You guys are both. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm going, who's JC? Oh, yes, me. Yeah, you, the superstar <laughs> of Restore Thrive. The, the the superwoman and your your stories are I think so inspirational for so many women and it's not because you have just figured out all these hacks and tricks and ways to compress your time and you're trying to juggle all these roles and you're just superwoman it's like you you guys have been in tough spots and you've reached out for help and you found some great resources that really changed your lives for the better and really gave you guys the ability not only to to feel better yourselves, but then to be able to to lead and help other women as well. And that's what I think is great about this podcast is people look at, at you guys and think, wow, the, these ladies are really sharp and have it together. Yeah, we, and, we don't have it all together. I'll just tell <laughs> we, you that right now. So we get to, yeah, you're, you're pretty awesome. Let's just, <laughs> let's put it out there. Like no, no humble bragging. But I have you. If yeah. I didn't have you, you know, I'd be a disaster. Maybe. So. <laughs> uh, that, it might be actually the reverse of that. But it, whether that's so or not, I think this is going to be just a really great podcast for you all to listen to because you're going to have some really great takeaways. Brooke's website, like Jess mentioned, Wired and Tired Women is a great resource if you're one of those women who really, it feels like you're on that roller coaster of feeling like you're you're up all the time. You have to be on all the time, but you're just constantly feeling run down and like you're not operating at your best. Um, it's something I'm so passionate about um, being uh, a husband, being a dad and wanting to support my wife and the mother of my children. Well, Brooke is very much um, in that same stage. She's got, you know, uh, kids, she's got a professional career. She's got a great husband as well. And so it's a, it's and you a really, guys will love this too, not to interrupt yeah. you, honey, but I just want to give a shout out to Paul size because, um, they have a huge musical background, which is like totally unrelated to nutrition, but their <laughs> I think their family story is so cool. Yeah. Um, they really just bring a lot of that into the podcast too. So you guys will love this. Um, I don't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to interject about Paul. No, I think that's a great add on, but yeah, you guys will love this conversation. So, um, definitely give us some feedback here. If you're listening on iTunes, make sure you drop in that five-star review because we know you guys love listening to our lovely voices. <laughs> <laughs> and if that's not the case, 
we we hope that at least you're getting some great info from the guests that yeah, we're maybe having just on. email us personally if you hate our podcast <laughs> absolutely or just don't leave a review that would be okay too so <laughs> anyway give it a listen guys we'll see you next week enjoy all right everyone welcome to the healthy kansas city podcast it is a very hot muggy day here in kansas city it's a friday right guys um and today we are interviewing brooke size with wired and tired women and she is a functional nutrition practitioner and we're going to let her explain what that is because brooke you have such an amazing niche what you do is phenomenal and i am so excited for our listeners yeah. just to hear your story very excited yep hear what yeah. you do with wired and tired women so we'll let you take it from here all right. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I So as a functional nutrition practitioner, um, my background's in holistic nutrition. So mm -hmm. really, we could go back further. Like, I did not think I would be in wellness, um, but That's I won't go into that yet. Which do that, <laughs> because I love to hear everyone says that. Like, hey, what I'm doing now is not... Not what I ever thought I'd do, and I love that because right. stories are just fascinating. So yeah, Jess is the odd duck because she was like, <laughs> I knew I wanted to be a PT in high school. I'm like, I was a psychology major when I got to college, and like, I'm not doing anything. Well, that's not exactly true, but it's like, yeah, man, it's like a completely different kind of uh, career than I imagined. Like when I was getting out of high school and going into college. So yeah, that's that's always interesting. So how did it start for you? Yeah. Um, I got into theater and singing. Like I always, I started dancing when I was little. I was three. I, actually, my daughter, I just gave her my three-year-old tap shoes. She's oh. three oh and gosh, they fit her. Awesome. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> passing them down. Um, so I was always a dancer growing up. And then I think by like fifth or sixth grade, I decided I'm going to be an actress. Like this is it. That's what I want to do. And that never changed through high school. And I took one of those like career tests assessments and it said healthcare. And I was like, Psh, you know, no. Um, so it's interesting. What is like, this thing no, right? Yeah. <laughs> what, like, yeah, this, this makes no sense. That's not me. Um, and then I went into musical theater and I did that after college for about a decade and met my husband doing that. He's a musician and was really just in the performing arts. But I really pretty quickly, like I went through my own health journey through really starting, I would say, almost like late, probably when I was a kid, like the first bite of food my mom gave me, sent me to the hospital. I always had allergies. I broke wow. out in hives all the time, popped Benadryl. Like it was just a normal existence. I had got problems, which I didn't know then. Mm -hmm. um, but that started showing up as I was like going into college. And then I started having anxiety and just other food related issues and health issues and mood stuff. So, um, so I, I got into teaching yoga, like that was an easy transition from dance. I, that was kind of my first step into wellness. Um, and I would teach when I was back in New York auditioning. So I would kind of like go out and do a contract and come back and work at a yoga studio. And then I was like talking with nutritionists and still working on my own health. And, um, you know, I, I actually like the thing that really led me into functional medicine in my own journey was that I went into an audition and this like is one of those standout moments in my health journey was that I started getting this rapid heartbeat thing. That's what it felt like to me was like my heart was pounding out of my chest. And certainly auditioning is like a 
cortisol inducing experience, Mm -hmm. but I've been doing it my whole life. So I sort of knew the level of stress response I would have and it got really bad. And, um, there was one where I like had worked a long time to get in front of this casting director and I went in and I was really excited for the audition and I couldn't breathe. Like, I just felt like my heart was pounding. I felt really like disembodied almost. And like, I couldn't breathe and I just kind of bombed it and it was bad. And I cried my way home on the subway and I was like, you know what? I got to figure this out. Like, I feel like my health is just not, it's not going well. And so I did the Google search and found uh, a holistic nutritionist who worked with gut health. And she talked about like food cravings and yeast overgrowth and sugar addiction and how that could affect your brain and your mood. And I was like, oh, this kind of makes sense to me. <laughs> I think I'll check her out. Yeah. <laughs> and she like within a 30 days of just working on my gut and changing my diet, I it was a road after that to continue fixing things. But like, it was such a big change just in a month that I was like, okay, I'm sold. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Just a a revelation. I think we, yeah, we've had similar uh, stories to that. And like a lot of our patients have as well, but yeah. I can relate a lot to the symptoms that you just were talking about too. And I just think I love hearing stuff like this. I feel like so many of us, like, even though we practice physical therapy, you know, you and I have discussed in the past, you know, when we were talking alone, not on a podcast, just about like, why do Tim and I practice holistically? And it's a lot because of our, our backgrounds and what you guys do as more, you know, holistic health coaches and nutrition coaches. It's it's amazing. And it's amazing to hear that in 30 days, like this lifetime of issues, not that like you were saying, not that you were totally fixed, but that within a month, I mean, you felt so much better. That's phenomenal. Just with food. That's phenomenal. Yeah. 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 I know it's crazy. And actually I won't jump into it now. We can get to it. But like this whole last couple months, I have had even like another shift. Like, you know, I think mm-hmm. it's interesting because life happens and things shift and change over time. And so I always feel like I went through that journey and I got everything good, you know, but then you have babies and then you have stressors mm-hmm. and you have things and get flare ups of old symptoms. And mm-hmm. um, so I even feel like I'm finding a new you know, like a new shift, which felt different in a week or two. Like it is amazing when you get to the root of what's going on and you address it, how quickly you can feel some changes. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Really interesting. Really- we, we've had those conversations with so many people and we've experienced that too, where it's like, yeah, you, you start down that road and you realize how powerful food can be, you know, like you've talked about before, like, you know, food is medicine. It's like this thing that you consume every day that has an effect on your body. But then I think the the really interesting thing about that is like, you know, as you go along and as you kind of progress through this journey of getting more connected with your body, how you realize that we're so dynamic as like organisms, you know, and it's like, all right, where we started is probably not where we're going to finish. And like what worked 10 years ago may not like actually work in another 10 years. So just having that awareness, I think it is really cool to hear, even with you, where it's like, I think a lot of people think when they, they talk to us, they're like, well, you guys must have like the secret like exercise plan because you're physical therapist and like, you're never hurt. And you like, you never have pain. And it's like, well, no, that's not exactly it. Actually. It's like, we're constantly evolving and constantly learning. And like, you know, it's like you hit those bumps in the road where it's like, Hmm, I don't feel as good as I used to. It's like, I need to kind of re-examine what I was doing. So sounds like you're kind of going through the same thing. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this uh, COVID, you know, has brought so many changes for so many people. And, um, and so our whole routine changed, our whole schedule, like work, like, like me and the kids home, you know, mm-hmm. it's, been, it's been a lot. And so, you know, that, that both allowed me to have, I think, some time to focus on some things I probably needed to take a look at because um, this last year or two has been really busy. Um, but also, like, kind of, this, there was some stress, and I felt a flare-up of some things, and I was like, oh, you know, but then I think I got over a new hump and found some new things, and so, yeah, it's a constant evolution. That's cool. That's yeah. super cool. Yeah. So. Well, and so, how did Wired and Tired Women come about? Because it's been years now, right? Like, I remember Tim and I met with you in our house. <laughs> this was three years ago. I mean, I can't remember. It was, it was a while ago. I remember sitting around our kitchen table yeah. just having that conversation about kind of the vision you had and what, what you were getting started. We were just getting started at yeah. that time. And so it's awesome to see how this has evolved. But kind of what brought you to that point with starting your own business? Yeah, I always, I mean, I think when I went to nutrition school, you know, and I went after that, like 10 years in musical theater, I finally, my husband and I were like nomadic in New York. We wanted to have kids. We were both turning 30. We were about to get married and we're like, yeah, like this isn't going to work. So um, I knew he was just like made to do music in one way, shape or form his entire life. And I really liked wellness a lot, you know, and had had that journey. So we moved to Denver and I went back to school for nutrition and really upon going to school, that was like always, I kind of imagined having a private practice, um, even if it was like part-time or just in some way. And uh, I've always had a little bit of that entrepreneur spirit for sure. And so um, I did start a private practice. It was called New Life Nutrition and Yoga in Denver um, in 2011 or 2012. And I had a little yoga studio within a wellness practice and it was a pregnancy and lactation center. And so I saw nutrition clients there. So I did do that, but I was like starting to have kids and my husband was flying in and out of town to work all the time. Mm -hmm. And so it just kind of felt like a lot to like really try to get that going. And I was a new practitioner and I just felt like, you know, I think I want to go work for a company for a while and just get, get some experience and, I don't know, just have this new mom life, like figure that out. <laughs> hard season. I can attest yeah. to that as well. It's a very difficult season. Yeah, because that's like yeah. kind of like a job unto itself. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I can tell you, like our business was his idea and Connor, our youngest, was still a baby. And literally I was like, that's a nice idea. I'll support you. I want no part of that. Like I'm too tired. I don't have the energy to invest. And well, here we are, you know, a few years later. I mean, literally though, as soon as he turned one, and he wasn't nursing anymore and he was sleeping through the night. I felt like a whole new woman. And I'm like, oh, I've got time for this. Yeah, I could do that with you. <laughs> so it is, it's a hard season when you have babies. So. Yeah. 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 I definitely felt like, and it's funny too, you know, looking back now that I have three, like, and I don't know if this, if you relate to this, but I'm sure I kind of knew what I was doing with the first one, but like now <laughs> after the third, I'm like, I had no clue. <laughs> yes. Oh man. We were so stupid. Like with uh, our first. Aiden, like, yeah. I feel so bad for him. I love that yeah. kid dearly. I'm like, he's probably going to have the most issues out of all of our kids because, right. because of us. <laughs> yeah. I think we had that conversation a couple of weeks ago. It's like, man, we should probably start like a separate savings account for his counseling. Yeah, like right now. That'll be his graduation <laughs> gift from high school. It's like, Hey, congratulations. You made it. It's like, you're going to need this. So. <laughs> I love that. It's so true. It's so funny. Like I, yeah, the, 
we won't even go there but yeah <laughs> that's a whole other conversation that's a whole other conversation <laughs> but that's yeah. that's great but yeah it does kind of getting back to that idea of like man those transitions and like you know i man i just respect the heck out of both of you like being <laughs> you know mothers of three kids and being just like you know just awesome professionals as well like i think that there's it, and I, I'm really interested to hear both of you guys talk about this some more because you guys are both kind of in the same state where it's like, man, you guys are at the top of your profession. You're doing great work for the people you're working with. But I think a lot of women feel like, uh, you know, that it's like, well, that's just, that's how they've always been. They just, they see you guys at kind of like that surface level and don't understand like the journey to get there or how you actually kind of do that and realize that it's like, hey, it's not it's not really as easy as it looks. And it's like, you know, it, it takes some, you know, some real support and it's not just you guys alone. You know, it's like, I know you've got, you know, your husband and you've got a, a good supportive community. You've got, you know, other practitioners that you kind of collaborate with as well. You know, and I, I look at like, you know, our family as well and, you know, how Jess has benefited from knowing people like you and some of our other friends in kind, of, kind of the wellness awesome space. You're kind of you know. Yeah. You're a really it's supportive like, husband. So. Yeah. But, but yeah, I would love to hear, hear you guys talk about that, especially you, Brooke, just in terms of like how you got to where you're at now. Because it's like, I think where we left off when you were in Denver, you know, it's like, you're like, yeah kind of getting to the point where it's like, I can't like hold all of these balls in the air, you know, and like be a mom at the same time. So, so how did you progress from there? So, yeah. Um, you know, I think I had kind of a, also a flare up of symptoms after my son was born. Mm -hmm. So I think I partly was feeling like, Oh, I need time to figure that out. I'm also new at this and I want to get better at it but I think I have some more in my journey. And I always have felt that way with things that I, it's hard for me to like really leap into it until I feel like I have gotten to where I'm like, I have the wisdom to share now, like mm. not perfect, you know, but like mm -hmm. just to where I feel like I'm ready to do it. I was the same way with yoga. I got trained and then it took me a few years of just practicing until I was like, I'm ready to teach now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I tend to jump in with things, but like with wellness, I've been a little more like, like I want to know that I'm doing it myself and I'm in there so I can help people. Um, and so I guess from there, I ended up getting a job at natural grocers and I went in there like kicking and screaming in all honesty, <laughs> my husband, like we just, we'd left New York and he left all of his, um, career options and he was trying to like, basically his, he was a freelancer and we, he was trying not to travel. So he was trying to be in Denver and it just kind of was, he wasn't finding local work. So he was flying out con every Thursday. We'd drive him to the airport and pick him up on Sunday and he'd go play at a casino or wherever. And so um, partly I just, we were at a spot in our family that I felt like one of us just needed just something really stable and with mm -hmm. benefits and stuff for a while. Mm -hmm. So I jumped in and I was like, I'll do this for a year while we kind of figure things out and then we'll go from there. And I ended up working there for six years. <laughs> six years later. Six years later. But I have to say, I mean, I think that's a great company. And uh, mm -hmm. I do have to really like say, I have gratitude towards that job because it really did stabilize us as a family. You know, we got we got settled. We moved to Kansas City. He found a full-time job here. Um, that's another story right now, but, <laughs> but um, you know, he's worked there for, I, uh, since 2014, um, and, like, got a house and just had two more kids. Like, it felt like we kind of 
settled and found our place. And then, um, and then by that like fifth year or so, I was really getting edgy. I was like, all right. I remember saying, I want to either have a third child or I need to go back to school or start a business. Like something needs to happen. I'm bored. <laughs> and you have a third kid, right? I did. Yeah. We were like, all right, we'll have a third kid by a little time. No, not really. That's, we really wanted yeah. her. I did want a third. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. My creativity needs were high though. I was like, I either need to create a human or like start a business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we did that. And then really once she turned like six months or a year, I started that planning, but I took a lot of time with it just because, you know, three kids, full-time job. So mm -hmm. I, I, in any free time I had was like building out the website and doing all these things and mm -hmm. it took a little while and then launched Wired and Tired Women and yeah, it's been, and I went through, I also took time to go through a functional medicine certification. I'm doing some more now. Um, started getting a master's in counseling psychology, which mm. we can talk about what led me to that, but it was largely, you know, eight years of nutrition counseling. And I was like referring to counselors constantly. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like, you know what, this is such a huge piece. Like food goes in daily and what goes in even more than food is thoughts. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Oh man, yeah, yeah. that's that, a great pairing. Yeah, I like what we were talking about earlier. It was really interesting that like I ended up in physical therapy, but started in psychology, and now I sometimes kick myself. I'm like, man, I wish I would have taken like four years of just like you know psych training here because yeah, it is. I I think you're you're doing the same thing that we're doing, where it's like you when you have the time to talk to somebody you can start to peel back those layers and get to those deeper levels of like purpose and meaning and motivation. And, you know, and what I think we've realized, I tell people this all the time. I'm like, when, when people call in and they're like, yeah, so what's different about you? And I'm like, well, we get people better faster, but it's not because like we're the best physical therapist in the world, you know, but we spend more time with people than anybody else. And like, the only difference I've seen is like, I get like three levels deeper with people than I did when I was just doing like, you know, quick insurance based care where it's like, you're in and out in 40 minutes. And I'm just checking like, Hey, you know, how's your pain? Are you doing your exercises? Let's give you some new things to do. It's like, man, we can really slow down and meet people where they're at. And like, what's really been a revelation for us is like, man, it, it's really about having those conversations and actually listening to the people that are in front of you because They'll tell you their story if you give them the space to do that. And then it's like, that's where you reach that point where it's like, all right, now I understand what's important to you and why you're here. And I think once you get to that level, it sounds like you're kind of in that same space now. Your outcomes are so much better just because you understand that person so much more deeply. So... Yeah, yeah. And you both, like, I remember that first time we met around your table, are innately good at that like mm. listening and hearing the story and like, but it's, I don't know if you'd agree with this. It's not something that's really taught in most degrees. Like yeah, even in no. holistic <laughs> nutrition, it's holistic. And we were taught that a little bit, but I didn't really get like coaching skills or counseling skills mm -hmm. in specifically, you know, through the training. Yeah. Um, so you guys have it naturally and a lot of people just kind of have it, but it's, mm -hmm. it's lost a lot. Of, you know, I think, it's an art. And I think a lot of people, they go to providers that, that don't do that. And they really feel the difference when they go to someone like you. Yeah. You know, yeah. Someone well, that listens. yeah. We, we've heard kind of the same from your end as well. It seems like people are getting just a different level of care, you know, and 
that's that's really cool. I feel like that's what everybody deserves, you know, is that time to to tell their story, you know, and that yeah. that means so much. Well, so, and I talk more about why wired and tired women. Why the name? I love it. Yeah, that's all women I know. So I think it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, have those conversations yeah. with a lot of your friends. We're in yeah. this weird space where all of a sudden it's like we're the couple that's kids have kids that are a little bit older. And then we like, you know, our, our friends that, you know, have kids, they're all a little bit younger. And we've seen a bunch of women who are kind of in that spot that Jess used to be in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think what you're doing is much needed. And so do you only work with women? What is I work with men too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, in all honesty, the, the name just wired and tired men doesn't sound as good as wired and tired women. Um, and I also, I love working with women and I love like family health and all of that, but I do, I'd say like 30% of my clients are men. And mm -hmm. I do get a lot of men that reach out and they're like, I really resonate with that wired and tired thing. Like everything you're talking about makes sense. Yeah. I think my hormones are wonky. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I'm not a woman. <laughs> I'm like, it's great. Yeah. So I, I really, it doesn't, you know, like working with all genders or whoever, mm -hmm. you know, needs support. But, um, but for that online purpose, you know, my, my official like legal business name is just Brookside's wellness. Mm -hmm. But yeah. for that mm -hmm. online part, it's, you know, the business coach niching was mm -hmm. part of it. And then yeah. also just, yeah, that, um, you know, I think it's easy to write content online. There's so much of that that you have to do, you know, mm -hmm. when you have a business. And for me, obviously writing from the perspective of like a woman who has definitely felt wired and tired and goes through bouts where that creeps up. And then now I know what to do about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think also like, I will probably head more and more and more into working with people who have like severe sugar issues and addiction and mm. it causes like binge eating types of things and disordered eating patterns. Mm -hmm. Not so much all the way down the road of like really um, severe anorexia and things like that, but more that like binge eating area because I think there's a lot that happened that functional medicine can help with that where we see it oftentimes as just a mental health thing and there is that piece there's trauma or there's nervous system you know sympathetic dominance and things mm -hmm. like that going on um, but there's also maybe yeast overgrowth and sh you know sugar addiction is a real thing for some people and mm -hmm. I don't even think I think I'm really landing in the last six months that I was a sugar addict mm -hmm. you know like Absolutely. I was spoke about it as like, oh, binge eating and disordered eating patterns. But the more that I learn and watch uh, about sugar addiction, I'm like, that actually resonates a lot more. I think I just, sugar is a drug to me. And I couldn't, when I had, when my gut was all screwed up and I hadn't gone through some counseling, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I would have sugar and just had no control around it. Hmm. And it felt like there was a monster in my body. So that's the functional medicine piece. Like I had yeast overgrowth and I had dysbiosis and SIBO and mm. you know, literally my gut was like, yeah, give me that. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, anyway, I'm kind of like going off on all that, but, but I think um, that's important for our listeners to hear because I even resonate with that, like eating cleaner now. I, I used to totally crave sugar and looking back, I mean, it is, it, it's a yeah. drug, like our yeah. brain, when you eat sugar, it's like any other drug. I mean, caffeine too much lesser so than more serious drugs, which I would know nothing about. <laughs> but um, I think that it, people need to realize that like sugar is very addicting for our brain. And even now, like 
when that we have the occasional dessert with actual sugar in it versus other things, you know, and it's, it's so like, Oh, I want more of that. You know, it, we have it yeah. so infrequently, it's easy to binge on it. And it makes me remember how addicting it actually is, even though I no longer crave that because right. I don't eat it all the time. Like I used to at every meal. I mean, you had, yeah, one piece of cake at, at, you know, a party once every six months. And it's just like, man, I could see how easy it is to go back down that road again because man, it yeah. tastes good. And my brain's like, mm, I want more of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So. Yeah. And maybe you could talk a little bit more about that, Brooke, from the perspective of like what that feels like for somebody who's kind of in that space where they're using sugar to kind of medicate themselves, yeah. you know, like, do, yeah. because I think you've like written about that. I've read, you know, your blogs where you kind of talked about like how that, that does kind of hit those reward centers, you know, and kind of helps get you over the hump, so to speak, you know, but it's, it's a very much the, like a, you know, uh, a dose kind of response deal where it's like over time that thing starts to ramp up and it's like, yeah, the more you do it, the more you need and it, it can get you in a hole pretty quick. Yeah. 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 It, I mean, it lights up the brain the same way that cocaine does. So mm, we can see that, like we know that sugar does that, but just like somebody might be able to go out and do cocaine once and be like, uh, I don't think I want to do that again. Or like, I don't, you know, that mm-hmm. was that experience and then they never do it again. Somebody else would touch that drug and they're like, whoa, that I need that. Like, that's awesome. I'm going to do that again. And then they, they get, you know, can get more addicted to it. There's a difference for people with sugar too. And I think in part, it has to do with our neurotransmitter levels, you know? And I mean, if we're a low serotonin, low dopamine person, you get that hit, it's going to feel better than somebody who maybe doesn't need that so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if we need to work on our neurotransmitters, like we can do that through food and supplements and like, there are other things to do, but that might make someone more susceptible to sugar addiction. Um, you know, carb, how we respond to carbohydrates mm-hmm. is something as well. And we can see that sometimes in genetics, um, mm-hmm. you know, somebody who might be a better fat metabolizer or somebody who's a little more sense has more predisposition to pre-diabetes or diabetes, like they may not handle carbohydrates as well as the next person. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that plays into it. And I fit like all of those, you know, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) 5-HTP was like the supplement for me that was, if there is a magic supplement Mm -hmm. at the time, that was it. And that's a precursor to serotonin. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'd have sugar and be like, this is great. But then (laughs) I could just as well avoid that, (laughs) save my health and, you know, work on the other issue. Could you explain a little bit more about the carbohydrate thing too? I mean, this was years ago when we started changing our diet, just kind of reading some things. Maybe this is inaccurate, but what I remember reading is that our body typically breaks down carbohydrates very similarly. I mean, it's, it goes into sugar, right? So whether we're eating actual like table sugar, um, or carbohydrates, it's kind of all the same to our body. Is that an accurate statement? But maybe different in like the, like type and kind, you know, or like the way it's been prepared. Yeah. Like how do you describe that to your clients or what do you say about carbohydrates if you're trying to work on the sugar deal? Yeah. So, you know, I'll give them a list of simple and complex carbohydrates, um, And just tell them that like, no matter what, when we eat carbohydrates, they turn into sugar in the body. So we kind of look at it as it's, it's playing into the load of sugar that we're putting into the system. Mm -hmm. Um, Fiber, fat, and protein are what will slow down how quickly that happens, you know, and then um, 
And so that will make it more complex. So obviously slowing it down so we don't get such a big spike and a drop is good. That's a good thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but also that total amount going in, we have to do something with that. You know, so mm -hmm. we're either going to burn it or if it's too much, we're going to store it as glycogen in the liver, the muscles, or we're going to turn it into fat and store it. Um, you know, and so, so when we're looking at what someone can handle, that total amount is something I really look at a lot and mm -hmm. kind of educate them about. And everybody's different, you know, so there's, mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm sure you have worked with a lot of athletes. Uh, mm -hmm. more, far more than me. I don't work as much with the athletes, but, um, mm -hmm. but you know, they're going to need potentially more than mm -hmm. of course there's like Mark Sisson and Ben Greenfield who do more with um, keto or high fat, low carb athletics, you know, yeah. things like that. So there's different approaches, but um, you know, for me, I, with that functional medicine approach, like we'll usually look at what's going on with hormones and what's going on with blood sugar markers and energy and, you know, the big picture, and then kind of make a decision about what carb amount might be a good place to start at and then play with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the big and thing I with sugar is, yeah. I would say it's so important that you mentioned the activity level piece of things, because you were saying, you don't typically work with people that are super active. That matters. Absolutely. Like Tim and I long history of eating very low carb, and like we were talking about early in the podcast, you know, sometimes doing the same thing for the rest of your life, not sometimes, most of the time that's not going to work for you. Like we are not static beings. Things change, um, our stressors in our life, like all of that factors into how we handle things, including our, our food. So both of us ate, like for me, that was phenomenal. When I went low carb, cut out gluten, like I'm gluten sensitive. So that's just me. I have two copies of a gluten sensitive gene. That's my personal genetics and, you know, my mm -hmm. personal health history. Um, so that was amazing for me. And that worked wonders for like seven years. And I was always active. I have an active job. I'm active with my kids, but not the way that I was before having kids. And so a year ago, when I really started hammering out exercise again, it was probably more like a year and a half ago now. Yeah, you were probably about yeah. what, two and a half years out from having Connor, yeah, our and youngest. Connor's turning four yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> we have a birthday. Um, <laughs> but anyways, like that was a game changer for me. I didn't, like my energy actually started to drop a little bit, which I hadn't felt in years. And I'm like, geez, what am I doing wrong? And Tim, you were kind of dealing with some of the some similar things too. Like you're always like, you're the experimenter of the two of us. Yeah. True. <laughs> you true have fact. cycled in and out of keto. We typically eat low carb just because we don't have a lot of, you don't have gluten and what's in, what's gluten in, right? Breads and pasta, you know, we don't eat those things. And so, um, not intentionally trying to be super low carb, but that's just because we don't eat a lot of things that have carbohydrates, you know, mm -hmm. both of us were kind of struggling with exercise and we, we both exercise fairly intensely. We do a lot of lifting, some hits, mm -hmm. starting to get in some sprinting and, you know, aerobic type things. And so like you were saying, you kind of need it for us. We've realized for, us, you know, like you were saying, there are some people that would say, Oh, you can still be active on the keto board. And Tim, that was you for a while too. Mm -hmm. But then you kind of realize like, I really don't feel great with this. And then you started experimenting, eating more healthy carbohydrates, not so much breads and pastas, but yeah. and I think the bigger story, and, yeah. yeah. And the bigger story, like you're talking about, Brooke, is like you got to be willing to like one experiment and, and two pay attention to like what your body's telling you. Yeah. And yeah, like Jess said, it's like, yeah, this thing is like constantly evolving, you know, our our bodies and it's going to respond differently. And it's not just even like exercise. Like I think like you're talking about with wired and tired women, like stress is a huge factor. Like, you know, I was talking about this, um, yesterday 
with um, one of our new PTs, just this idea of like, when do people encounter like injuries or incidents where they start to experience pain? Sometimes everything can be the same with their activity level, but then we have a stressful week at work, we short sleep ourselves for like six days, and then we try to add that workout in, and then it's like all of a sudden your body's like turning on that red light, like man, something's not right here. And I think our first instinct is to like try to work harder to do that, but sometimes it's like, no, we gotta step back and kind of look at the, the entire environment, so. Yeah, yeah, you, you bring up such a good point that like, it's such a journey, like, you know, we could just like emphasize that for people over and over and over that it's a journey. And it's interesting because I think this happens a lot with nutrition because we don't always see, we might see people for like a period of time, but then they kind of go off that they find what works right then and then mm -hmm. they do it for a long time. And then mm -hmm. like months later, years later, they come back and they're like, uh, so something's really off, you know? And I'm always like, oh, I wish... I wish, like, I got to get people to check in every, mm -hmm. periodically because of that, because things change. Like, I'm the same way with carb levels. Like, if I'm running too hard or stressed, mm -mm. and I can't do it ongoing. Like, keto, I'll do it cyclically, mm -hmm. sometimes mm -hmm. even through the week, like, a yeah. few days yeah. where I'm doing it because I know I'm working and I'm maybe not with the kids as much and I can kind of control my day a little bit better, mm -hmm. you know, and sleep and all that. And then on the days where I maybe more with them and we're just kind of running and I'm doing more exercise because we'll go work out to, you know, do stuff together or go to the gym or something when that's open. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, like shift cycle in some carbs and, and switch mm -hmm. it up. And I think for women, that's actually especially, um, helpful. Yeah. That's actually what helped me be able to go off Synthroid, my thyroid medication, because I was so low carb which again, initially awesome. Like I was still taking a super low dose of Synthroid just to kind of help boost myself. But as far as antibody level, you know, all those things were negative for years. And then all of a sudden that went up and, you know, speaking of stress, like exercise is stress, good stress, mm -hmm. but we can't absolutely overdo it. Um, I'm not one that will typically like intermittent fasting. I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Like there's so much great research behind that. I have a history of autoimmunity. So I've done like 17 hour fasts before. I don't do it very often for me. I'm like, I don't know that my body needs to do that. <laughs> don't really feel good when I see it. Like I can usually eat breakfast late, like even early, maybe usually eat at five, between mm -hmm. five and six. Like we're just that family. <laughs> mm -hmm. I ate at five o'clock every day growing up. Like our kids are hungry, but if I, you know, so that's just kind of our thing. So we eat really early. If we don't eat into the evening and have late breakfast, like that really is a 17 hour fast. And I feel fine with that. But I don't know for me in my medical history if that would be something I should do every single day. Probably not. That'd be a stressor for my body that I don't know I should do. So I could probably play with it more. But I, I think it's important for our listeners to realize that everyone's different and hear these things like, oh, intermittent fasting, it, it cures everything. It's amazing. Yes, it's amazing for some people, but it's so important to talk to someone like you, like you were saying, regular check, just like you go see your dentist, just like you see your doctor once a year for that well visit check-in. You should see your PT for a well visit check-in cyclically. You should see your dietitian because things change and you want to make sure that you're on the right track, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think it's what you're saying is why I love working with women on these things because mm -hmm. men, as this is a general statement, but men tend to do better. <laughs> What's that? Here, so he here, comes, comes. here he comes, here he comes. <laughs> no, it's not bad. That's all right. Men tend to do better in general with keto and with fasting yeah. than yeah. women. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and, you know, so that, and I think there's so much inform great information put out, but I, on, you know, on keto or on intermittent fasting, but a lot of times it's from men and it's mm -hmm. kind of written as like for everybody and there aren't any commentary, you know, there's maybe not anything put in on the differences and how you might want to adjust it or play with it. And so I got really like into that area for a while. Um, mm -hmm. I think it was, it was over a year ago, year and a half ago, I did a program when I was still at natural grocers. Maybe that was like two years ago. I can't remember mm -hmm. on keto. And I got all these guests, I got a bunch of guest speakers to come and it kind of occurred to me throughout the program by the end that they were all men and <laughs> yeah. they were all like really pro keto long-term. Mm -hmm. And I kept just feeling like some sort of little flag was here being like, I want to do more research. Something is like missing here for me, you know? Mm. And that's when I was just digging in and reading more and then kind of came across like keto with carb cycling or how do you mm. carb cycle through the menstrual cycle or, mm. you know, how do you, you work with stress in keto? amazing point, right? Women's cycle, like our yeah. hormones change way more than you guys as men. Mm -hmm. That's not a bad thing. And it's not that you guys are better than us. It's just that we're different. Like you were, and I think that's so important to bring up. Like mm. men are different than women because of our hormone profiles and we're different than men because of our hormone profiles. And that means we need to eat a little bit differently and yeah. activity level factors well, into how we eat. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, in a little more detail, cause I think that's important. Like I know that Jess, you're paying attention to that and Brooke, you know about that, but I don't know that a lot of people do. So like, how do you kind of tweak that through the month um, for a woman who's like trying to stay active, trying to train, but also paying attention to nutrition and not quite sure how to like fuel um, through, through her cycle. Yeah, and I'm just waiting a sec because it froze. Yeah, I know. technology, you know. I know, technology. <laughs> We're good now. You're not frozen anymore, so. Okay, okay, sounds good. <laughs> Go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's, um, you know, there's, we don't really have any really solid research on here's what we should do and when, mm. um, but at least in, like, my um, looking through kind of what we do know and what we have is that some we're a little more insulin sensitive during days 11 to 14 due to the need for estrogen to rise for ovulation. And so that's a good time um, when we're more insulin sensitive to get more carbs. And mm -hmm. so to kind of help that process, and I actually really resonated with that once I read that because I was, um, I would feel really fatigued around ovulation. Especially and I'm after glad kids. you mentioned ovulation because women who don't chart, like I've done this for years, so I'm very familiar with what you're talking about, but days 11 to 14 is mid-cycle, right? It's yeah. ovulation phase. So important to, to note for our listeners. Yep. Yep. And it may be, you know, I, I say this with, and feeling like I still need a little more research on this area of fertility. So I'm not hundred percent sure on this, but, but it kind of makes sense to me also if somebody's trying to get pregnant and they found that they do well on low carb or they're managing insulin resistance or PCOS. And so in order for their fertility, they went keto or they went low carb, that that could be a time where it's like, okay, if you're going to just do a little bump up of complex carbohydrates to do that around ovulation, because I mean, if you're conceiving and there's this quick, you know, metabolic stuff going on in the body, mm -hmm. um, having that extra energy source may be helpful. So 
Mm-hmm. You know, it makes sense to me on a lot of levels. And I noticed that I felt better when I would do that. And it's not like go crazy, you know, eat a bunch of sugar type thing, but just that if somebody's <laughs> doing low carbs, it'd be like, let's get some sweet potatoes or more fruit or, you know, kind of bump it up. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point. And, so and I then, love that you mentioned a couple of examples because that's always what people want to know. If I can't have bread or pasta or sugar, what yeah. are appropriate carbs? So anything else you would suggest besides fruits, besides sweet potatoes? What about other potatoes? Are you in favor of those or no? Yeah. I mean, it kind of depends. You know, if you get like a really geek out on this stuff, you can, <laughs> you can do a cup of, you know, a carbohydrate on an empty stomach, like a cup of white potato on an empty stomach and then test your blood sugar an hour and two hours later and see what happens. Um, Tim did that. Yeah, did you? I, I can <laughs> yeah, tell you. I figured you geeked out. Not on an ovulation, obviously. <laughs> yeah. No, I wasn't able to pair it up with my cycle, but like I was, yeah, I figured it out. So but no, he did that. We got a blood sugar monitor because you were just curious, again, the experimenter of our family. And he wanted to know, like for me, how carb sensitive am I? You know, what, what yeah. things tend to spike my blood sugar. So it was over three days. You ate a bunch of different things. And it was your blood sugar. five days. I mean, and I would just yeah. kind of like set the, the carb dose. I think it was 50 grams of carbs, like, you know, in a fasted state in the morning. I think I did, what did I do? I you did, did white rice. I did white rice. I did sweet potatoes, sweet potatoes, white potatoes, oatmeal, oatmeal, bananas right or oranges i remember you doing oranges yeah i did oranges that's a lot of oranges, that is a lot of oranges. <laughs> 50, 50 <laughs> grams of oranges that that was the worst like i did not feel good two hours after that i was like mm, yeah i'm not gonna eat 50 grams of oranges by themselves ever again that that was not fun um but what was really really interesting for me um was that like my insulin response um two hours um later with the potato thing, like Jess was mentioning, it was actually lower with white potatoes than it was with sweet potatoes, mm-hmm. which I was like, wow. well, that's kind of interesting. And it was only like by about 10 grams per deciliter. So it wasn't like a huge difference, but I'm like, well, okay, let's not just like sit around thinking that like, you know, sweet potatoes are magic and I can eat as much as I want. Yeah, like they're the healthy, so, that's what we're told, right? That sweet potatoes are yeah. typically healthier than white potatoes, but it is very individual. Is that the theme of our podcast? Individuality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Everybody is different. Our listeners need to really pay attention to that because we always hear amazing stories about people and what works for them. And I hate it when people are like, you need to try this. I mean, I totally understand that because I've had the same thoughts about my personal medical journey. Like this was phenomenal. Like I want, you know, my patient to try this or, and that's not always a bad thing but it's important that you have the right healthcare providers on board with looking at your specific genetics, your specific medical history, your current symptoms, because you are different than the next person. And what works for one person doesn't always work for the person next door. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you did that. That's like, uh, I remember reading that in Rob Wolf's book. Yes. Um, I think that's where you got that from, right, Tim? (laughs) Yeah. From Wired to Eat. Yeah. Wired to Eat. Yeah. Which is a great book, but yeah, it walks you through how to do that. And that's all I did was just kind of follow along with the directions. And it was, it was, it was really enlightening for me. And I think it was helpful from the standpoint too. I think those of us who are kind of tuned in sometimes think it's like, man, I'm like, I'm really delicate. And it's like, well, maybe you are, maybe you're not, you know, it's like, I was able to buffer all that stuff relatively well. I didn't have a pre-diabetic response to like any of those things, but it was interesting just kind of grading the differences. And like, even what like Rob Wolf talks about is like, you know, really think about it at that top level. Like, how do you feel? How do you look? How do you perform? You know, and just kind of those subjective kind of, you know, measures and responses, I think 
are, are at least helpful in terms of pointing us in the right direction, you know, but it, like we've been talking about, it's like, you got to be able to take just a step back and think about those things a little bit too. So yeah. Yeah. I want to go back to the cycle thing. um, Because I'm curious if there's other parts of the cycle, like we mentioned ovulation and you mentioned how we're a little bit more insulin sensitive then. Have Mm -hmm. you noticed anything with your research or even just clinically, since you've had a number of years of experience now, um, other parts of a woman's cycle, like when you're menstruating or our luteal phase, which is after ovulation, right? We finish ovulating to the next day of our cycle is a luteal phase. Um, any other advice for our listeners, for our lady listeners? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, kind of like after that, uh, once we get into that second half of the cycle, the, um, higher progesterone and lower estrogen after ovulation can make somebody a little less insulin sensitive. So that's a good time for fasting or a good time for keto if that works well. And like you found, I think some people, I have people that just thrive with um, intermittent fasting, a lot of times they're my insulin resistant people, you know, mm-hmm. that do really well with it and it really helps them. Um, other people do better with like lower carb, but eating more often and not doing so much of intermittent fasting. So, you know, that I think like you've found, it's just kind of playing with it. And sometimes we get some indicators based on, you know, what blood sugar markers look like and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once we get into like, we start preparing for menstruation, a lot of women, you know, they get like PMS type symptoms or feel more cravings, more hunger. Some of that can be that um, as the progesterone levels drop and um, the serotonin levels can drop too. And serotonin is that feel good neurotransmitter. And mm-hmm. um, so we kind of like might crave sugar or things like that, or carbs or potato chips, you know, to bring that up. And so it just depends how sensitive we are to those fluctuations. Like some people really are more sensitive to everything, you know, um, and some people aren't as much noticing those things, but if they are, then, um, getting a little bit of getting more complex carbs, if someone is on low carb, kind of right before the cycle, right there at the end of, of, of the whole cycle is, um, can be helpful. So important to note because that drop in progesterone is what signals menstruation, right? So yeah. like that's a normal thing that, that has to happen if we're cycling yeah. normally, um, but really important to note. And I think, would you, um, do you coach women on um, charting their cycles? Do you have any great apps you recommend? Um, are you coaching women when you're trying to kind of coordinate with their cycle, how important that is? Or yeah. is this just something that you've played with on your own because you've done research? Yeah. Um, I love the book, Taking Charge of Your Fertility. Yes, I think book. it's just such a good, yeah. It's, and you know, what's crazy. It's like, I didn't know how that worked till I went to nutrition school. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. something wrong with that. Like I've yes. been getting books on <laughs> reproduction already, like age appropriate for my kids just to be like, you guys are going to know how this all works. And like my mm-hmm. daughter, I want you to know how your body works. Yeah. So that like, you know, what's happening. And, you know, I don't think it was till I started having babies. I was like, oh, I can't get pregnant like all the time. I mean, that sounds ridiculous <laughs> right. to say, but right. nobody taught me that. Right. Four, four or five days of your cycle. It's a big deal, right? Otherwise, yeah. it's yeah. not going to happen no matter how hard you try. And right. same, I didn't know that until I was an adult and cycling and reading that as well. And it was more because I was doing research on other health related things. Yeah. Going off my cycle, not so much because we were trying to get pregnant, but then I realized like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, when we want to start having babies, like this is important to note. Um, 
And so, and the other thing too, I mean, this, I realize, I don't know how much you know about this, but with exercise too, I mean, Tim's got a strength and conditioning background. So, I mean, you're actually probably more experienced than me, but even training during certain parts of your cycle, I think it's so awesome what you know about a cycle and nutrition, and then also pairing that with how should you train depending on what part of your cycle that you're in. I mean, it's, you, you can't always make it perfect. And if you play a sport, whether it's an elite level sport or you're in high school and you're playing a sport, I mean, you have games a certain time, like you can't coordinate with your cycle, but I think when you can, if you're familiar with that, it can be very useful because Mm -hmm. is it Tim, when we're cycling, we Mm -hmm. are a little bit more lax because of the hormone changes. Like our ligaments are a little bit more lax. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily the time. Like if you are not playing a game, you don't have a scheduled game or a scheduled tournament, you probably shouldn't be doing a bunch of plyometrics, which is jumping, you know, crazy things because we're a little more lax. Right. We should be doing stable things, squats, deadlifts, bench, like think right. Things Push like ups, that that are more like stable. Yeah, yeah. Things where you're connected to the ground versus yep. like really challenging, like joint and like tissue stability just because, yeah, because you do have that, that difference in hormone profile. So, mm-hmm. so it can, can make a difference. Yep. If you can do that, that's a good time to really stick with that. And it's only a week. And then the other weeks of your cycle, you know, a little bit, you'll have a little bit easier time with plyometrics and multi-directional things and you'll be less susceptible to injury. So I love that. I'm going to have to reach out to you. Like I always have, have this idea that at some point I want to get together kind of like a program on hormone balance and yeah. I'll have to reach out to you to be like, all right, what's the exercise stuff? Like, Absolutely. I'm always Absolutely. game for talking content. about that. And I've done so much, like I charted for so long and I still chart. Um, but we, I've been charting my cycle for years and years and years and it's been so helpful. I teach a lot of clients about that if they aren't doing that already and not so much to either get pregnant or avoid pregnancy, but it's just like, Hey, this is really important for you to know for your health. Like you were saying, it's not normal to have PMS symptoms. Women are like, what? (laughs) I'm like, that is not normal. If you have PMS symptoms, there's something off with your hormone balance. Perhaps it could just be a simple thing like a nutrition, you know, getting some changes there. Um, and, and people don't realize that cycles are not supposed to be painful. You're not supposed to go nuts with your, your mood and things mm-hmm. like that, you know? So, um, mm-hmm. and I can personally attest to that. Like my cycles were horrible when I was younger and now that my nutrition is on par and my health is much better, I would not know that I was about to start my cycle except mm-hmm. for the fact that I chart and I know, okay, in a day or two, I'm going to get my cycle. Um, that's important to know, but, um, I don't have PMS symptoms. I don't think my, my crazy around my cycle. Tim. No. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, no, he's a better judge. Yeah. I'm, I'm not one to hold back. Like it, it, yeah. if we're having a good time or not, I'm going to tell you. So yeah. And we would, yes. yeah. I don't think we'd be 10 years into this thing. If, yeah, if you were crazy, like, you know, for four or five days every month. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. And not 10, we're coming up on our 11 year Yeah, we're closer to 11 now. Yeah, so. in July. Wow. So. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I think that's so important. The nutrition thing, the activity thing around our cycles. I would love to collaborate more on that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So important. And like you said, I, and that's what I love about having this opportunity is just to have these conversations, you know, and, and have this podcast is I feel like these are conversations that, you know, we need to be having like, you know, with our family, with our, you know, kids, especially our little girls, you know, as they, as they grow, you know, this just, this is, 
I feel like it's knowledge that's been lost that maybe there was a time where we knew this maybe more intuitively and we were willing to have those conversations and things have changed so much culturally over the last like half century or so, you know, and especially around, you know, women's health and reproductive health in particular, that I think we really lost some of that, you know, wisdom about, you know, how to really treat women well and this idea, you know, around like, yeah, this like, uh, just kind of artificial like fertility or like just being even in tune with your body yeah. like the answer now whether it's I mean I would say for women's health the pill is the answer for everything you have cramps take the pill you'll have no problem like oh you have acne take the pill you know and I'm not saying that women shouldn't be on the pill like that is a personal choice and if you um, want to do that to to help whatever it is or you're trying to avoid pregnancy that's fine but I do think just in modern medicine in general, it's always a pill. <laughs> the birth control is always some sort of medication that's the answer for everything. And we aren't educated as a society like, hey, there's pros and cons to everything. Every medication has side effects. And the more I've learned with nutrition, I don't know if you could teach our listeners about this just briefly, like there is something called post-birth control syndrome, right? Like birth control can jack up your gut. It can jack up your micronutrients, which is our vitamin and mineral panel. And that impacts our hormones and just, I mean, not always a bad thing, but depending on your genetics, depending on lots of different things, like you are going to respond differently to the pill. And then if you want to get pregnant and go off of that, I can't tell you the amount of clients and friends I have had who have been on the pill for like 10 years and cannot get pregnant. It's not always a complicated thing, but you have to realize like what has been screwed up because of this medication and how do I fix it? so that I feel better, I can get pregnant or whatever your, your goals are. Well, so. what is that? Yeah, you can probably speak well to that, Brooke. What does that look like on your end? Like when you mm -hmm. see a woman who's in a situation like that, like kind of how do they present and how do you kind of walk them out of that? Yeah, I love that you brought that up because I've been working um, on a four-part series on hormone balance and I go love in it. in part one. Um, should be coming out like in a couple weeks. I'm on part four now. So <laughs> once it's out, I'm going to start emailing that out and um, in part one, I go into birth control pill a lot and, and uh, a little bit on post birth control syndrome. And yeah, I mean, the thing is like, and I talk about the benefits of the pill, like it's helped through history women, mm -hmm. you know, it's like increased us being able to be in the workplace and all of these things. Yeah, it's had, like, absolutely. Those, um, yeah, those benefits, but the, the drawback is exactly what you were saying that it's often prescribed not to prevent pregnancy but for hormone imbalance and that is not really what it was made for and it is not looking at the underlying root causes of why there's an issue with hormones in the first place and so we just keep having those problems and sometimes we add like insult to injury mm -hmm. with the pill if it's being used for that purpose um and, you know, in the long run, because it can kind of add more issues, because as you said, there's like a depletes zinc and B6, so it's going to affect, um, and some other things, so it'll affect, you know, our micronutrients, and nobody's told like, hey, if you're, if you're taking this to prevent pregnancy, like, make sure you supplement B6 and zinc and a few other things. And I love that you said that, it's such a simple fix, and I realize it's probably not the only thing, but like, hey, if you want to choose to be on this, that's great, but know this, this is what it will deplete, take this and this, like simple, simple solution. If we only knew that we could avoid a lot of the issues related to it, so. Yeah, yeah, and it's, that is something that like, I could just kind of get up on a, <laughs> get up on my high horse about, you know, like, <laughs> or 
whatever that phrase is. I'm horrible with like soapbox. Um, soapbox, yeah. <laughs> My husband's always like, I mix metaphors and stuff. He's yeah, like, that's all right. I, I, wow, that was you, amazing, Brooke. Yeah, that's great. I, I could envision you like shouting from the top of a horse. Like yeah. we, we can yeah. go with the horse <laughs> metaphor. <Yep>. So <laughs> he will crack up if he hears this because yeah, he he like identified that I not only mess up metaphors, but I actually take two of them and mash them together. So yeah. he's like, there is some sort of connection happening in your brain. It's just like a little off. That's great. That's great. Oh man. You, you and Jess. Yeah. yeah very similar in that regard. He catches me sometimes like, wait, what that I've never heard that before. He takes things very literally when I'm like, you know what I mean? And he's like, no, I really don't because no, I'm listening to I, exactly I, what you're I'm saying. I'm very and much a words no person. I'm like, I'm listening to the words you're saying. And like, it's not computing in my brain. I don't, I'm not quite sure where that came from. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We have a lot in common in our in our uh, marriages. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is completely like off topic, but yeah. I want you to highlight your husband just for a minute here because you guys have been doing some amazing things during COVID. Like you're, yeah. it's every Friday that you guys are live. Your husband has live music. It's phenomenal. So highlight that just a little bit. Like I want to, I want you to tell our listeners where people can find you, you know, your um, are you on Twitter, you know, Facebook handles, Twitter handles, all those things, um, your website, but then also like you have these other things going on. You guys are so, um, musically inclined right. and like you were mentioning your background in theater. I think that's awesome. It's too. way more than just the food that yeah. you guys are like yeah, yeah. into. So where so. can people find both of you on both ends, the, the music side of things as well as your website? Yeah. So for Wired and Tired Women, I'll kind of start with that. Um, it's wiredandtiredwomen.com and the and is spelled out. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's where people can find like fun- my functional nutrition um, and holistic nutrition services and information. And I'm always trying to put up blogs. Like I said, I'll have the hormone balance coming out and I'll awesome. keep putting more out on mood um, and anxiety and stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on, on Instagram. It's Brooke sees the day, like S-E-I-Z-E the day. Mm-hmm. My last name's size, so it's just a little, you know, fun play on that. <laughs> and I do I feel it. like every day it's like that journey, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. seize the day and every day is a new day and you just keep working on things. So yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I'm on Facebook too at Wired and Tired, Facebook.com, Wired and Tired Women. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's where you would find me there. And then my husband and I, um, our website, you can either find it at his name, paulsize.com, or we have a jazz combo called A Couple Duets. So a couple duets.com, they both take you to the same place. And he has been um, unemployed since mid-March due to COVID. The company he works for is, is not open right now. Because we have and no events. And he plays like big right? events like, typically. Like, yeah. Yeah, we have no events. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's in the field that, yeah, it's been um, really kind of like, in all honesty, heartbreaking for me to watch like the performing arts community and all mm. of our people who are involved in live events and live music. Um, and also so heartwarming at the same time, like there's really neat things people are doing, but you know, a lot of people's kind of like outlet and livelihood is just not there right now. So they're kind of, and I know for him, he's doing, um, he was doing like the live stream, live music, and that was really fun for a while. He felt like, I think over time, like, I don't know if this is for me in the long run, as mm-hmm. far as how long this goes on because he's really an extrovert and like a, he's a live music be in person kind of guy mm-hmm. so he started writing a lot there's a blog now on a couple duets.com and he's just been writing his musings on family and the arts and life and books he's reading um nice 
and you would like you would enjoy him tim he's very yeah. into language and yeah I will and he check likes that he's out a good writer sure. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like common. i think there's yeah um and so we're we're actually doing a front yard socially distanced you know and all things in place concert um mm -hmm. on father's nice. day so nice. be a lot of fun yeah um, we'll just... have to check that like can anyone come as long as we yeah. know, keep our distance um, yeah, so for it's local on people, Facebook. yeah, most, most of our listeners are probably local, but, um, do you have a, uh, location for that? Yeah, we're actually just doing it in our, at our house. And so right now we have it, um, we just want everyone to feel comfortable and safe. Like everybody's at a different spot with what's going on, you know? And so we yeah. just, we put it on Facebook. People can RSVP and let us know how many are coming and we'll just nice. put a little flag. So everyone has a mm -hmm. spot to sit, bring your chairs bring your food or drink or whatever. And yeah, we're going to have because fun. Because prior to COVID, you guys were doing a couple duets at different places around town. And unfortunately, Tim and I didn't have a chance to come see you guys, but you were on my radar. I'm like, we have to go <laughs> listen to them. Yeah. And then COVID hit and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Among yeah. many other things, but you know, um, yeah, you guys are phenomenal with what you're doing and, and I love that you have that. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. We, we miss it, but I feel like there's lots of neat things coming out of, mm -hmm. of this as well, like your podcast and, you know, yeah. there's all these new yeah. endeavors. Um, and I'm circling back a little bit. We were talking about um, when, when I got into the mixed up metaphors, yeah. I think we were talking about um, like post-birth control syndrome. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and like one thing I was going to say on that is that I get really like, up on the soapbox, there we go, about not being educated, mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like it is not my place to tell people what they should or shouldn't do. I don't even like those words in nutrition, like should, yep. shouldn't, yep. out. <laughs> but just to people feel like empowered with their own health, like what you're talking about with understanding their body, understanding their cycle, understanding when to exercise, um, knowing if they're choosing to take a medication or it's been prescribed like what it does in the body so they can decide if that's right for them or not mm -hmm. and um and i think when you know when it comes to birth control that is something that is really not educated you know mm -hmm. that people aren't taught about when they yeah um are making a choice to take that or not and then yep. having kids for women if they want kids it's a big deal when that time comes and if they're not able to it's like seeing people be really mad that they didn't know that synthetic hormones, you know, shut down their natural body's production of hormones. They interrupt the HPA axis, which is like our, you know, adrenal, like, um, we call it like adrenal yeah. <laughs> system, um, yep. in the body. So it can play into stress. It affects the gut microbiome, causes nutrient deficiencies. So mm -hmm. again, like a great option if it's what somebody needs and it fits for them, but if they don't know all those things and they're not kind of ready to work with it, mm -hmm then it's, it's, um, it can feel pretty sold out later. Absolutely. That's fantastic yeah. information. I agree. I think women are severely underserved as far as knowledge <clears throat> around our cycles because we're complicated. <clears throat> our cycles, like, you know, we were talking about earlier, men just, I mean, you, you have changes in your hormones, but much more minimally than we do as women. And so I feel like to study our cycles and our hormone balance, like is a lot of work for researchers and people just don't want to do it. So there's much mm -hmm. less research around women and our cycles and food. And, you know, like you were saying, well, I don't really have any research behind what you should eat, but what we do know, what I see clinically, like that's so valuable. 
because yeah. there isn't the research, but you see your clients. Yeah. <laughs> You've done research on certain things. You studied hormones. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it's like you can kind of, um, you can, you can co comfortably say those things to your clients because you, you have the knowledge and you kind of put two and two together, which is amazing. And unfortunately we're out of time for today. This has been amazing. I would love to get you back on because I want you to tell our listeners more in our next podcast about, um, mood. And, you know, you had said you would struggle with anxiety. That is a huge topic. Yeah. such a huge problem in our society. And of course, COVID has created a lot of stress. Like you mentioned, your husband being unemployed. So there's a lot of things that I think we're dealing with now that are creating more stress. Our culture is just high stress and high energy and high on all the time in general. But COVID, I think you know, worldwide has created a lot of extra anxiety and problems. Mm -hmm. But the things that we eat do affect our mood, um, good or bad. And so I think that is a very important conversation to have. And, and I would love to have you on again so we can have another hour and a half long conversation on that. <laughs> Absolutely. This, this was a treat. We, we yeah. really appreciate you, Brooke. This, this is awesome. We feel like what you're doing is just, I mean, that's, that's what so many women need is, is people like you who really care about, you know, the putting out the right information and really fill in those gaps in terms of what people know and really helping them feel their best. So yeah. And we'll make sure we yeah. put where to find you in our show notes so our listeners can go read your blog, check out your website, check out your husband because he's awesome. For sure. Um, yeah, guys, check out a couple duets.com, right, Brooke? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. We'll look forward to your live event here soon. And we should be around on Father's Day. So we'll have to yeah. check it out. We'll get to sit her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would be fun. Always fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. always much needed. I have no problem getting sitters for my for sure. See you later. I love you. But <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you cool. so much. Yeah. Thank yeah. You so much fun. We, I we really appreciate your it. time. We will get you on. We'll again do it again soon. for sure. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, guys, everyone have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to the healthy Kansas city podcast. If you like what you're hearing, check out all of our episodes here or at RestoreThrive.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes to help others find our show. Restore Thrive is the home to Kansas City's top physical therapy and performance training practice. We're all about helping active individuals and athletes get back to the activities and sports they love without pills, injections, or surgeries. At our core, we believe that you should be able to grow strong and age gracefully. So whether you're trying to get ready for your next race, ready for your next workout, ready to keep up with your kids, pretty much ready to win at the game of life. Check us out and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Restore Thrive. Until next time, be well, everyone. <laughs>